<laughs> that was great. I hadn't seen that opening video. I was just like, come on. Come on, everybody. Nobody? Just me? Just me? All right. Anybody uh, remember the 90s? Anybody remember the 90s? That was almost 30 years ago. That's crazy. Saved by the bell, anybody? Tight rolled jeans, tight rolled jeans. So for me, I graduated in the 90s, uh, 1995. Any 95s out there, 1995? I'm the only one representing 1995. Oh, one at the back, 95. Awesome. For me, I was all about Christian music at the time. I was kind of radically saved individual in the 90s. Carmen, radically saved. Anybody? Everyone used to say I look like Carmen when I, was, when I was in high school and college. They were like, you look like Carmen. I was fine with that. So all the human videos and everything. But I also liked real loud rock Christian metal music. I don't know if we have any Christian metal people out there. Yeah, we have a couple out there. White Cross, Petra. Well, they, were, they weren't too rocky. But I'm like, Holy Soldier, Deliverance. I mean, we were intense. Bride. I mean, these were like... I try to play some of those songs for my kids, and they're like, Dad, what is this noise? This is trash. I'm like, you all don't appreciate a good electric guitar solo. Come on, it needs to be like five minutes long. Your hair has to be like this big. So I don't know, I, my children don't know what it means to enjoy real music, you know what I mean? The stuff I listen to now, it's just too wishy-washy for me. It's nothing, no, not intense enough. All right, do you have your Bibles today? Do you have your notebooks with you? All right, well, let's get into the scriptures today. I'm going to lay a foundation real quick before I get into today's message, which we're going to be talking about the love of God today. How many are okay listening to the love of God? Is that all right? Love of God, that's where we're going. Let me tell you how it's going to follow along the journey of where we're going as Calvary. In January, we let you know that God had instructed us to really dive into our identity this year. 2021 is about Calvary's identity. This is who you are, this is what we do. As we begin to present ourselves to Orlando and, and keep reaching around the world, it's important that we know who we are so that we can say, follow us as we follow Christ. If we don't know who we are, then how do we invite people to join us? Because we're lost. We don't know what we are, we don't know what we do. So we're establishing that over the course of this year so that you are very confident as you're sharing with your friends, as you invite them to church, you know what to expect. You know what you, who you're inviting them to, what kind of a family you're inviting them into. Does that make sense? It would be difficult to invite someone over to a house and it was always different all the time. You have no idea what to expect and you're, you're nervous in that. And so we want you to begin to become familiar with our language, with our culture, where God is leading us is Calvary. And so before uh, Marie and I even moved from Illinois, and we knew that God was sending us here to serve Calvary Orlando. God dropped three words into my heart, and I want to give you those three words. The words are love, reach, and equip. Love, reach, and equip. You've seen us starting to pepper that language throughout the campus and even on some of our social media posts. But those are the three words that the Lord put on my heart to help establish this is who we are, this is what we do. We love, we reach, and we equip. Amen? But it's a big circle of life. Let me say it this way. We love, reach, and equip people to learn how to love, reach, and equip. 
So we're creating disciples that create disciples. You see that? And when we talk about love, we're gonna talk about God's love for you. We're gonna talk about your love for God. We're gonna talk about loving the lost. We're gonna talk about all kinds of love. We're gonna become really good at godly love, amen? Really good at it. That's this month of February. But then we're not just going to do social activities and feed and clothe and be loving. It's important, I felt the Lord really clearly say, Kevin, make sure that you don't just express love, but you make sure that love continues full circle to the opportunity to reach people for Jesus Christ. There's a lot of places out there that wanna show compassion and love, but you know what? We can feed people all day long, we can clothe their physical bodies, but one day they will stand before God. And all that feeding and all that clothing, if it didn't have the gospel in there somewhere, the good news of Jesus, then we're gonna fall short. Amen? But then once someone comes to Christ and someone gives their life to Jesus, how many of you know they must be equipped because discipleship is a part of why we exist, amen? Not just to create converts, but to make disciples, to be equipped in the Word of God, to be equipped in their spiritual gifts, to be equipped in who they are as a Christian and a believer in this world, to equip them to, to put their foot on the devil's neck and to stand victorious, amen? to equip them to overcome sin, to equip them how to prosper in their finances, to equip them how to prosper in their marriages, raising children, how to equip them in this life and in the life to come. Amen. And when he showed me the cross, because I don't know if you know this or not, we take it for granted sometimes, everybody knows everything. Did you know that Calvary, the word Calvary means the cross? Just wanna make sure you're aware of that. So when the Lord showed me the cross, he showed me those three words being expressed in the cross. Do you know the cross is a demonstration of God's love? Somebody say amen. The cross is also a statement that I love you, whether you love me or not back, I've already told you and shown you that I love you. Do you know Jesus died on the cross for those that would accept him, but also for those that didn't accept him? You see that? And so we're gonna show love to our city and to our world, not to get something from them, but to let them know someone loves them. Amen? And so this cross is an example, it's a demonstration, it's a statement of God's love, but it's also the means by which we can reach. Because of that sacrifice on that cross, because Jesus came and died in our place, there's the capacity for a human being to go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light to go from a sinner to a son and daughter of God, amen? To, have, to, to be on the outside of covenant and have no access to going into the covenants of God and to go boldly into the throne of grace. That cross reaches us. It's not just a demonstration of love, it's also the mechanism by which we can be reached. It's the bridge over hell into heaven. Come on, do you see this? So it's an expression of love, but it's also the capacity to reach but it's also the access to equip. This cross is a doorway into a whole new life. It's a doorway into a whole new beginning. So the cross stands there as an example of love, reach, and then also you've been given through that cross, through that sacrifice on that cross, you've been given great and precious promises. Amen? You've turned into someone. You didn't just, you didn't just put religion in your life. You've been born anew, you've been born again. You've been transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so this cross represents the more, the equipping that God has to bring into your life. 
And so you're going to hear us talk about love, reach, equip over the next three months. This month we focus on love. Next month we're going to talk about reach, march, reaching our city, reaching around the world. Next month we're going to have our missions weekend. And so we're going to be excited and praying as we ask God to give us a number of what, how to sponsor our missionaries in the coming year. How many of you are grateful for our missionaries around the world? Amen. It's not just what God's doing here in Orlando. We're connected to a global kingdom. Amen? And it's important that we don't just pay attention to what's happening here, but we're supporting our missionaries out there. And so in the month of March, we'll talk about reaching people here in Orlando. We'll talk about reaching the world um, through our missionaries and the work that we do there. And then we're going to equip you. The month of April, we're going to talk about discipleship and developing you in the Word of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit. So we've got a long way to go, but this is who we are. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. So if you choose to become a part of Calvary in this, in this year and the years to come, you need to know what you're going to become. What's my family going to hear? Uh, what's the vision of the church? Where are we going? We're going to love, we're going to reach, and we're going to equip in order to teach people how to love, reach, and equip. Because you're not just going to be equipped to sit there in a classroom for 40 years. You're going to be equipping others. See what I'm saying? So your love, reach, equip to then become a person that loves, reaches, and equips. And so you see the wheel of life, that circle of life turning. Love, reach, equip, to love, reach, equip, to love, reach, equip, all the way down. Is that all right? All right, let's get into our Bible. So we're going to talk about the love of God. I want to encourage you today that the love of God is not some simplistic, cotton candy, feel-good, ushy-gushy message. Sometimes you see it on coffee mugs, Jesus loves you, bumper stickers, t-shirts, bookmarks, anything that we could brand and sell. You know, we put God loves you out there. But sometimes we lose the power of that message, that the God of the universe, has chosen to love you. That in that love, I want to just kind of give you some background, some thoughts, write a lot of scripture down. I'm going to give you a ton of scripture today. I'm only going to open the Bible like three or four times because I have so much, but I want you just to follow with me here, okay? The, the love of God is powerful. In 1 John 4, 8, the Bible says, God is love. In Galatians chapter 5, 6, the Bible says that faith works by love. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says that all these remain, faith, only these remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, 7, that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Do you see this? That this idea of God's love, like God is love. Faith works by love. We can learn faith all day long, but if we don't have this love component, that faith is going to get stuck. That faith isn't going to land right. It's not going to sound right. You're not going to pray right. You're going to be praying in fear, thinking it's faith. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This idea of faith comes in and love comes in to help you be confident as you pray. The greatest of these is love, faith, hope, and love. Power, love, and a sound mind. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it just gets done talking about the gifts of the Spirit, like these wonderful power gifts. It talks about love in chapter 13. So chapter 12, you're talking about gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts. In chapter 13, you're talking about love. The whole chapter 13 is about love. Chapter 14, though, is what I want you to see. Chapter 14, verse 1. 
It says, pursue love, but also desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love, but also desire spiritual gifts. Why do I start with that one? Because there's this concept, this idea of learning about love. Like pursuing love means study it, receive it, go after it, just like you would spiritual gifts. People spend years in spiritual gift classes. They'll go to prayer classes, they go to healing schools, they go to, you know, what's my, what's my spiritual gift? But the Bible's telling us here that that's good, that's not a bad thing. But with all that power and all that authority that we want to learn about, because praise God, you do have authority over the devil. You do have authority over sickness. You do have authority over sin. Come on. You are the body of Christ. You're the temple of the Spirit of God. You must learn about your spiritual gifts. That's in the equipping part. But there's this first part that says pursue this love first. Why? Because love becomes the guardrails of all that power, of all that authority. Do you see what I'm saying? So that you don't sit there with spiritual gifts thinking you're superior to somebody else, but rather those gifts are given to you so you can serve somebody who's in a need. See, you being able to be used by God to heal isn't about you being famous. It's about a hurting person that needs freedom from sickness. And so love is the guardrails to keep you from pride and arrogance and to make sure your motive's in the right place. Are you understanding? But it also, by pursuing love and understanding God's love, you're going to know that no one's ever earned a miracle, that all miracles are gifts of grace by God. And so you're not going to put some weird doctrine into somebody, trying to make them, try to somehow perfect themselves for God to do something for them. God gives gifts by grace and because of what Jesus has done and faith in that. And so this concept of pursuing love, I just want us today to kind of take a big, deep breath and to say, you know what, maybe I have something to learn in regards to love. See, because if you think you know everything about love, then you're going to sit there today going, oh, I knew that, I knew that, I knew that. But I'm going to show you today in Scripture that the Bible says that this love is something you can be studying your whole life through and still learn new things and still see how deep it is, still see how, still see how wide it is and how amazing it is. Amen. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I have no problem with spiritual gifts. I love spiritual gifts. I love that we're not just people that believe in some religion or some God or idol or something, but that God gets involved, that God works through us. I love spiritual gifts, but it tells you very clearly here. It doesn't say pursue spiritual gifts. It says desire them, but it does say to pursue love. Too many people are pursuing gifts instead of pursuing love. See what I'm saying? You can desire spiritual gifts, you can learn about spiritual gifts, but what are we really focused on getting right now? We want to get an understanding of the love of God. Amen. So let's grab that today. Let's just open our spirit today that this is not just some simplistic cotton candy concept, but this is the foundation, the foundation that your life is built on, God's love. Matthew chapter 22. All right. Now I start to read to you out of my Bible, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, let's go to verse 37. Jesus was asked by some leaders there. They, he, they said, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as your Self, The entire law and all it demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so this is a pretty big deal. Jesus was asked out of the entire 
law, what's the most important thing? And right away, he talks about love. He doesn't talk about all the obedience to all the rules of the law and things like that. He begins to focus on love, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving other people as yourself. Basically, when you're walking in that love, you're fulfilling all those commandments. When you are loving others and you're loving God with your all, you're going to end up fulfilling all those other commandments. But the question I have is, how do I love God with my all? Because that in itself can become like a real, you know, kind of nerve-wracking statement. You need to love God more. Well, how do I do that? And then you can get on this wheel. Do I love God enough? Do I love God with all? And, and I've seen people where they're panicking. It's like they don't, they don't have any rest because they're just trying to love God more, love God more, love God more. And how do I do that? How do, how do I love God more? Can I answer that question for you today? I like response. Can I answer that question for you today? Would you like to know how you can love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and strength? It may not be what you think. You may think it's a matter of working harder. You may think it's a matter of just praying more or doing more. But I want to challenge you today that it's bigger than that. If you start there, like I'm just going to do, 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 do more, then you're going to find yourself actually missing the point. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 1 John, later on in Scripture, 1 John chapter 4. If you're new to your Bibles today, I know I'm giving you a lot of Scripture and I rattled off a lot of Scripture addresses. Just write those down. Use your table of contents a little bit later. But I encourage you to go back and read them. Those verses I gave you earlier will be helpful, and the ones I'm about to give you will be very helpful. The book of, book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Have you found it? 1 John 4, 7. Here we go. We're going to read 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 3. I'm giving you so much Bible today. I love it. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for, God, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I want you to see that one more time because you can read through that. This is real love. This is where it starts. It doesn't start with you loving God. It starts with you understanding God loved you. You see that? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And let yourself focus on that. Let yourself think about that. Sometimes we go through this thing and, and, and we have sermon after sermon and we don't digest or the, word, the biblical word meditate. The God of the universe has chosen to love you. Has chosen to love you. Think about that. Why? Who are we? 
right? The angels in the Old Testament said, what is man to God? They said, what is man, Psalms 8, I think, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why is your mind, O creator of the universe, why are you fascinated on this thing called man? The angels long to look into this because they look at it and say, why? And God says, because I want to. There's no other answer in there. It's not because you're going to be powerful, because you're going to get many people saved, because you're going to do great things. You're going to do all that after he loved you, not to get him to love you. Do you see this? See, love begins by understanding that God loved you first. God loved you first. And he didn't have to. You know, but we were lost, Pastor Kevin. We were going to be destroyed, and we were all going to go to hell. I know. And none of that would have changed God in eternity. Do you realize that? That God didn't save you because he had a deficiency in himself. He saved you because he desired to save you. He made a decision to save you, to forgive you of sin, and to give you opportunity to be his child. That's awesome. Like, what if we were wiped off the face of the planet? What if, we, what if we were all judged and went to hell? How would that have impacted God? It wouldn't have. He's self-contained. He'd still be God. He'd still be everything. Are you understanding this? So he didn't save us because he needed us. He saved us because he decided to. He made a decision to. And that is an overwhelming, beautiful thought. That's where my arms go up in the air and my arms say, thank you, God. Like, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to come onto that cross. You didn't have to put on flesh. You didn't have to love us at all, but he did. Amen. Not that you loved God, but that he loved you. Amen. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. See, now as we're beginning to see how unworthy we were of God's love or, or that we, were, we begin to understand that God chose to love us in spite of us and we begin to receive that love, now we have this capacity to love other people that don't deserve it. Come on that are rebellious, that are angry, that are lost in the dark, and they don't act lovable, right? For God, John 3, 16, you can write it down. You've seen it at football games. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, again, we don't slow down and think about what the Bible's saying. Whosoever, you mean whosoever, like all these people that are ticking me off right now on the news? Yeah, they all fit into whosoever, right? Or that person at work that you can't stand, or your neighbor that you keep praying that they'll move away from you. <laughs> right? That whosoever, and here's the thing, God so loved the world, not the good world. He loved the fallen world. He didn't love the fallenness, but he loved the people that were fallen. See, you can't save a world that you hate. And when we come across angry all the time, and we come across like we're the, we're the hammer all the time, God 
loved the world, which is what motivated him, and in that love, he was able to save the world. Are you understanding that? So we have to check our heart, the way we treat other people and the way we view other people, and we forget. We forget that we were all rebels against God, that we were all lost and deceived, and we acted like we were serving Satan, because we were. And then we get saved, and we lose the compassion for those that are lost. And so today's a great reminder of who we were, how God loved us, and that gives us the capacity to remember that these people are walking in blindness. These people are out of their minds, according to the Scripture, right? But they have no chance of being saved if the body of Christ doesn't reach. If the body of Christ puts her hand up and says, God, just remove them all. That's not our prayer in this side. Our prayer right now is God, save them. God, awaken them. Amen. No one has ever, I'll go back to this, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression. See, they can't see God, but they can see you. Amen? And if they see your eyes that look, to, look at them with love and compassion, even when they're ridiculing or judging or raging, and you're able to look through that and to see the soul underneath the sinner. Come on. See, they can't see God, but they can see you. And if all we do is judge and yell in anger and all this stuff, then that's their view of God. You see? See, no one has seen God at any, at any time, but they see you. And when they see how we love one another, God's fullness is expressed through how we love people how we take care of people, how we treat people, how we speak to people, even people that don't agree with you. Amen. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. Man. I got so much to tell you today, but I'm not going to make it because my heart right now is just pouring out with this whole idea for you and for all of us. Listen, listen to what this just said. Look, verse 13. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and that he lives in us. So I want you to hear this. When God places his Holy Spirit on the inside of you, we, we think about it in the aspect of power anointing, uh, spiritual language, tongues, interpretation of tongues, things like that. But God's spirit is in you as proof that you're in God and that God is in you. That also must mean that you have been made holy. You still keep calling yourself a dirty, rotten sinner after you give your life to Jesus? If you're a dirty, rotten sinner, how can God place the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? But I'm not perfect, Pastor Kevin. I still have issues I'm working out. I know, but your holiness is based on Jesus' perfection. It's based on Jesus' holiness, Jesus' righteousness. 
And you say, prove it, Pastor Kevin, because I don't feel it. Prove it, Pastor Kevin. I'll prove it to you because he's chosen to place the Holy Spirit in you. And he's not going to place the Holy Spirit in the wicked, in the world, in what you once were. But it's proof. It's proof that you're in God because God can be in you. And God can't be in you if he didn't make you righteous, if he didn't make you holy. And so the fact you have the Holy Spirit shows you how clean you really are how pure you really are, how holy you really are, whether you feel like it or not. It's a gift of grace by faith in Christ. You say, I don't deserve it. I know. I know I don't deserve that, which is why I sing and why I clap and why I dance and why I give my tithes and my offerings so that other people can hear this message so they can be saved so they don't have to live like that. See, when I understand God's love, it puts everything in perspective. I'm not trying to grow some big crowd or a big church. I'm trying to help save the world. Amen. It's not about Calvary, our church brand. It's about His name. It's about their salvation. It's about them being brought out of darkness into light. Amen. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and that he is in us. Further, we've seen with our own eyes, and we now testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I love that. Not the Savior of the good world, just the world. Those lost, he's not saving the systems of the world. He's saving people from the systems of the world. Okay? All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. I love the way the King James says that. It says we have come to know and believe the love of God. Too many of us know it up here, but it's time for you to come to, from what you know to now believing it, to start leaning on it. How do I know when, I, when, I, when I've come to realization of it? I begin to lean on it. It's not just theology that I know. So when I go through a tough time, I lean on his love so that it doesn't matter what I may face in this world. Nothing will separate me from his love. I don't question as God left me because I'm going through a tough time. I say I'm going to make it through this because I know my God loves me even though I'm going through and it's his love that's going to bring me through this tough time. See, it moves from theology into I believe he loves me. And when I sin and I run boldly to the throne of grace, that's you showing you believed him. When you refuse to come to church, you refuse to talk to God because you feel guilty for your sin, it proves you don't believe his love. You're like, I don't want to go talk to God about it. That shows you... You know it up here, but you don't know it in here that he loves you because you're running away from him. You're running away. Are you understanding that? But when you make a mistake and you sin, because even though we give our lives to Jesus and we're holy in his sight and righteous in his sight, we still got to work out this thing. We still have habits and things that we're learning. We've been living one way for 40 years, and there's some habits we still need to work out. But you know what? God's not intimidated by those things. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. Yes, you can call it sin. You're going to sin. 
what do you do with that? If you run into his arms, you're believing the love of God. Amen? When you come running into his arms, and that's the moment that the worship becomes so sweet. Because the devil and your mind will say, you're not worthy to raise your hands. But you raise him because you're not worthy. Do you see what I'm saying? And because he still accepts you, and because he still listens to you, and because he made Jesus available so that you don't have to die in those sins. You're like, I know I'm not worthy, that's why I'm raising my hands when I don't feel like I'm worthy. Is this making sense? But when you keep your hands down and you don't dance or celebrate, Now, I'm not saying you don't have a moment where you repent. Repent. Get it over it. Get it out. Confess it. Get it out, man. But once you, man, just then then just worship like you're forgiven. Dance like you're forgiven. Because you are. Don't wait to feel forgiven. You know, your feelings may take a couple days to catch up with the spiritual reality. Amen. Amen. We have come to know and believe. God is love. All who live in God live in, God is love. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Remember, this all started with how do I love God more? Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. How do I do that? You do that by contemplating, meditating, and believing this love God has for you. And as you're in that love, you continue to grow more and more in love with the Lord. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. That's what we've been talking about. If you have fear, it means you haven't necessarily believed that love. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but he hates his fellow brother, that person is a liar. If we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their brothers. Amen. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, verse chapter five, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. I just wanna clarify that this conversation about God loving you and God loved you first, which is how we love him in return, that a child that's been loved, and when you really understand this, you want to please the Father. You want to live a good life. You want to live a holy life. Sometimes people think when you preach God's love that you're just giving people license to sin. Let me tell you something. People sin without a license. They sin with a driver's a learner's permit. They sin with no permit at all. You say if you preach love, you're giving them a license to sin. No. What's... When, when someone experiences the love of God and understands what God is offering and they receive that love, you, you don't want to sin. Because you don't want to hurt the one that loves you. And he gives you his nature and your new nature doesn't want to sin. 
your old nature wanted to sin. Your new one, you're not looking for ways to sin, right? That's one of the, one of the, the, um, the, uh, the fruits of knowing that you, you've been born again. You don't want to do what you used to do. But even the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, I do things I don't want to do. And the things I want to do, like live for God, I sometimes fall short and I don't do them. I mean, even the Apostle Paul struggled, yeah. But he knew what to do with his sin. Run to the Father. Run to the Father. Run to the Father. You don't run away. You run to the Father. So preaching God's love is not meant to give people permission to sin. Right? So don't misinterpret because we're going to be strong on how God loves people that somehow we're not going to acknowledge getting rid of sin. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin robs families. Are you understanding? Sin has consequences. And just like you love your own child, your own kids, they may stumble, they may do something, but it's like you want to help them overcome those things. God's going to help you outgrow those sins. God's going to help you outgrow those sins. Amen. But not if you just keep beating yourself up like I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. You know, I'm, trying, I'm running away from God because I'm ashamed. I'm guilty. You must know, my friend, that while you were still a sinner, God demonstrated his love for you by dying on a cross. While you were yet a sinner, before you ever became a child of God. God is not scared of your sin. He knows what to do with it. But you must believe in who he is and his posture towards you so that you'll run to him rather than away from him. That you'll run to him rather than away from him. Amen? <laughs> you don't know what you ask right now. There's a Super Bowl on tonight, and I can keep you here all afternoon. All right, write this verse down. Write this verse down. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7. Let me just try to read it to you quickly. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. There's this picture of a woman, an immoral woman, the Bible calls her. And Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house. It says, verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And the Pharisee, who had invited, saw this, he said to himself, is, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this, that is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Isn't that amazing? Jesus answered his thoughts. He read his mind. He said, Simon, to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. I just love that. I feel like Jesus just got like... <laughs> Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus told him a story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. 
Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many. See, Jesus was intimidated. He knew exactly who this woman was. Have been forgiven. So, she, so because they've been forgiven, she didn't do it to be forgiven. They have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. She knew who she was. She knew she was immoral. She knew she had all this record of sin against her. She knew it, and that resulted in her loving much. That I've been forgiven. I've been given a place. I've been given love I don't deserve. I don't qualify for this. Yet he loved me first. He loved me first. And it it evoked a response where this Pharisee thought he had little to be forgiven. He was all self-righteous in himself. I'm so holy. I'm so pure. So he denied all these worships, all these offerings of worship to Jesus, all these acts of appreciation to Jesus, all this act of honor because he didn't know that he needed the Savior. Do you see this? But this woman, knowing how much she'd been forgiven, her response was worship. Her response was honor Jesus. She knew she didn't earn that place. She's she's literally kneeling at the feet of the creator of the universe, and she's touching him. But she worshiped and honored and worshiped and honored and even gave expensive offerings because she remembered, she realized what great love had been given to her. So when we say love the Lord your God with all your heart, love him with all your mind, love him with all your strength, let's start in the right place. Let's focus on how he loved you first. Let's focus on how much you've been forgiven. Let's focus on what your trajectory was before Jesus. Let's get a real picture that we were on our way to hell, that we had no access to God, that we were lost in our sin, that we were under the foot of the devil. Are you understanding? That we had generational curses, that we had habits that we couldn't control, that were hurting our wives, our kids, our grandkids, that there were things plaguing our generations. But in steps Jesus. In steps the Savior, and he didn't have to come, and he didn't have to reach a hand, and he didn't have to die on that cross, but he chose to do this. Amen. So I got just a few more verses for you. John chapter 15. So what's the quality of this love? This is going to blow your mind. John 15. John 15, Jesus speaking. John 15, 9, and then John 17. We're going to go there. John 15, 9, Jesus speaking. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Go to John 17, verse 20. Through 23. 
Jesus saying, I am not just praying for these disciples. The reason I say that is because you might think Jesus was just referring to the 12 disciples, but he, in his prayer, is showing you he has future people in mind, which is us. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me. That's you! Through their message. I pray that they will be one just as we are one, as you are in me, Father. I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Listen, listen. And that you love them as much as you love me. What? We're talking about Jesus' relationship with the Father. And he says, I pray that they'll be one, that I'm in them, you're in me. But then this line has always just like taken my breath away. That they will know that you love them as you have loved me. As much as you've loved me. With the same quality, with the same intensity, with the same commitment. Can you imagine the Father's love for the Son? Say yes or no. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to make you answer now. Imagine this. When we say God loves you, we don't necessarily qualify that and explain, like, what, 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 what type of love is that? And yet Jesus, in this verse, he's telling you that God loves you the same way he loves the Son. That fire, that commitment, that intensity. You want to know why? Because you're the Son's body. Because you've been placed into Christ. And so when God looks at you, he sees his son. He doesn't love you differently than he loved Jesus. Are you understanding this? Yeah, you can celebrate that. Amen. That's always blown me away. That you love us the same way that you set your love on Jesus. The same love. Why don't we go ahead and stand, if you would, please? I'm going to pray this into your life. There's a few other verses that I would have for you. I would encourage you to write these down and read them later. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And Romans 8, 31 through 39. Romans 8, 31 through 39. The Ephesians 1, I'll read to you quickly, 17 and 19. Ephesians 3, 17 and 19. It says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love, keeping you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep this love is. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes through God.
So it's a lifelong journey to see this love and to experience and, and like understand it. And it's like you really can't understand it, but it's still telling you to go on the journey. How long, how high, how wide, how... But in doing so, your roots grow down deep. Your roots grow down deep into the love of God. Why do you want deep roots? Because when the storms of life blow, you're rooted in the love of God. When people try to push you off that love, you're rooted in the love of God. When trial, trouble, and persecution come, trying to intimidate you, you are rooted in the love of God. You are not leaving the love of God or God's love for you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.